Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I have an extra special treat for you today as I have Tracy Hallema, who is the CEO of Vital Proteins here with me, sharing not only the story behind Vital Proteins' explosive growth, but also the most important qualities that you can have as a founder and you should embrace as a CEO. Trace has been with Vital Proteins from the very start, and less than six years in, Vital Proteins had a $1 billion valuation. I was lucky enough to sit next to Tracy at a Women's History Month event earlier in March, and she and I clicked right away. Not only are we both University of Michigan graduates, go blue, but we also both have doodles named Ollie. Before I dive into today's Found Her Files lesson from Tracy, I just want to say I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. And for those of you who are new around here, I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. I started my own company back in 2010 with a $500 investment. I bootstrapped that business and grew it to reach 3 million users per month across multiple platforms and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight. I grew this business through partnerships with Target, Nordstrom, The Honest Company, and hundreds of other brands. This was all before I led my company's acquisition to a large agency holding company in 2019. Two years later, I exited with one goal in mind, and that was to support other female founders and businesswomen through their own entrepreneurship journeys. Thursday's episodes of Dear Found Her are called Found Her Files. These episodes are designed to move your business forward through a specific lesson or actionable tips. Well, there really is no blueprint for founding, growing, scaling, or selling a business, I do hope that the tips that you hear today give you a lot to think about as you grow your own business. Tracy Warner Halima currently serves as the CEO of Vital Proteins. She oversees the day-to-day business operations and growth strategy of a high-growth billion-dollar brand, a wholly-owned subsidiary of Nestle Health Science, who is proud to count Jennifer Aniston as their chief creative officer. Yes, that Jennifer Aniston. Tracy has been with Vital Protein since the inception of the company in 2014, first serving as a board member and then as a senior vice president of sales, chief revenue officer, president, and now CEO of the trendy wellness brand that grew over 100% year on year in 2021. Prior to Vital Proteins, she spent 20 years in management in the technology industry, working for Fortune 100s like IBM and Dell, as well as several Silicon Valley startups. 
Like I said, Tracy graduated with a BA in economics from my alma mater, University of Michigan, and she did postgraduate work at Michigan Ross, University of Chicago Booth School of Business, and is currently enrolled at University of California Berkeley Haas School of Business for their accelerated CEO program. She's a founding member of Chief, the Women's Empowerment and Networking Organization, is an active speaker on both leadership and consumer product topics, and serves on multiple boards, including including wellness beauty brands and a Chicago-based nonprofit organization. In her free time, Tracy enjoys hiking, gardening, spending time with her two teenage daughters, the oldest of whom is also at the University of Michigan, and their mini golden doodle named Ollie. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. Tracy is a wealth of knowledge. She is so incredible. And the tips that you are going to walk away with today are really and truly going to change your business. Come on in and meet Tracy Halama. I am so excited about today's guest because I had the honor of sitting next to her at a poker table a couple of weeks ago, and there might be some discussion as to who actually won the poker game. I did, but... (laughs) I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what came from that conversation is this conversation that we're going to have today. So Tracy Halama, who is the CEO of Vital Proteins, is here And the story of Vital Proteins is just one for the record books when it comes to consumer brands. So Tracy, welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Honored to be here. It is so amazing to have you here. And not only are you the CEO, but you have been at Vital Protein since day one. So I would love for you to share the story with us of Vital Proteins and also your story. How did you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, So... Like you, I went to the University of Michigan. Um, Upon graduation, I actually worked in the publicity arena. So I worked for Miramax Films, and I did publicity. I was a junior publicist on a lot of films like Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow and Pulp Fiction. Um, So it was was a glorious time. Obviously, um, you know, looking back on those years, um, a lot of great lessons were learned. Um, I decided to move back to the Midwest and came to Chicago and and did a lot in sales, eventually got into tech around the Y2K era, and um, it was a great time to be in tech. I was really good at it Uh, from a selling perspective, from a building relationship perspective. um, Again, you know, working for big companies like EMC and Dell and IBM and working for some Silicon Valley startups. So what I realized was that um, the nature of who I am, I'm a really good builder. So a creator of revenue, a creator of um, things that have never been done before. And that's really what drove me. Um, ironically, I knew um, our founder, Kurt Seidensticker, uh, from the tech industry because he also had a tech background. So we connected at a networking event back in 2013, late 2013, early 2014. And he's like, hey, I have an idea. I want to run it past you. And I'm like, okay, like, what's your idea? And he said, ingestible collagen. And I'm like, okay, um, like collagen for your face? He's like, no, you you consume it. And he said, you have more product in your bag than anyone I know. So I think you actually know the consumer 
landscape. And it was true. I went to business school. Um, so obviously every case study in business school was, you know, a CPG company. So I knew enough to be dangerous about business models and situational analysis, but I never really was a, you know, consumer products marketer. And I actually think that helped us when we started our company because we, we weren't bogged down with classic CPG process, right? So if you talk to someone from Pepsi or Kraft or, you know, any of the big CPG companies, they will say that the innovation process is usually 18 to 24 months and you've got to um, test market it and you've got to have focus groups. And, you know, we were just very agile and we treated the startup, Vital Proteins, like a tech company um, and a digital marketing company that happened to sell CPG products. Um, but anyway, back to the story. He, uh, he sent me some product and he said, I want you to take it. And he said, take it every single day and um, put it in your coffee first thing in the morning, but don't miss a day because the consistency and the bioavailability of collagen, you know, really lasts within your system between 24 and 48 hours. So I took it religiously for about two and a half weeks and unbeknownst to him, he didn't know that I was recovering from a CrossFit injury. So I had torn my labrum shoulder. Um, again, and I'm not sure that, you know, suburban moms in their 40s should be doing CrossFit toe-to-toe -to -toe with former, you know, D2 and D1 athletes that are in their 20s. But, you know, the competitive spirit, which we've already heard, uh, is alive and well in me. So I had the injury. I went through six months worth of rehab, and I had really limited mobility in my shoulder. I could get my shoulder about 60 degrees up, and it was limiting for my life. Um, I was a single mom. I worked for IBM. I traveled a fair amount. Every time I got on a plane, I had to ask someone to put my bag up in the overhead compartment. And you don't think you're going to have mobility challenges in your 40s. Like, you kind of presume that, oh... Mobility will get tough when I'm in my 80s. Um, so it was a major, um, you know, kind of life um, uh, challenge and hurdle for me. So after two and a half weeks of taking the collagen, I went to grab a platter to make dinner for my kids. And I reached up and I grabbed the platter. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this my good shoulder or my bad shoulder? And I realized that just by taking this collagen, I had regained full mobility. And it was that aha moment where you're like, oh, I believe. So um, without skipping a beat, put down the platter, picked up the phone, called him and said, hmm, um, I think I could probably help you with this. His background was um, he was an aerospace engineer. Uh, very technical in nature. He had already figured out that we were going to do a manufacturing plant and, and not work with co-mans, but actually have the economies of scale of um, putting a plant in-house, um, even though we hadn't really sold anything yet. Um, and I brought a lot of sales and marketing capabilities. So, you know, it was a good yin and yang relationship because we just thought differently. And we, um, we challenged the status quo and we challenged one another. And constructive resonance was such a foundation in building the brand. Um, and I worked on the business plan. I worked on kind of outward communication. Um, at one point in time, I did social media, which I'm not very good at. Um, so it was the early days. And it was primarily Kurt's family plus me. 
and, um, you know, we created a product and we created a brand and, um, the most important lesson early on was, you know, making sure that we had an authentic relationship with our consumers. So, um, Kurt had went to a trade show and met Melissa Urban and Mark Sisson. Um, so Melissa Urban of Whole30 and Mark Sisson of Mark's Daily Apple. And he recognized at the time they were more community voices. They were bloggers. This was before the world of influencers. And he recognized how important their voice was. So he came back and he was like, I think we really need to focus on influencers or bloggers at the time. Um, so, you know, those were some of the early lessons. Um, we also really, um, we have a shield that's part of our logo. So it was all about education and protection. So protection of our bodies, um, you know, mitigating the aging process and providing longevity long-term. Um, and then also having to educate people on what ingestible collagen is all about, because quite frankly, no one knew what collagen was. Um, so, I mean, in the early days, we were super scrappy. Um, I remember epoxying the floor to make our facility in Glenview food grade. Um, I did the first demo at Whole Foods um, back in, you know, late 2016. So, uh, you know, as it relates to the startup journey, you know, you, you kind of have this big hairy dream. And we always thought, like, wouldn't it be cool to become the next Vega and when Vega was acquired, they were about a $100 million business unit. So, like, that was kind of the goalpost. Less than 1% of startups make it to $100 million, and we wanted to get to $100 million. And we did that in less than five years. And um, in about six and a half years, we became a billion-dollar valued brand, which is, you know, really rare in the world of CPG and really rare and relatively unheard of in like the powder health and wellness space. So uh, you, we, so we talked, you talked about going against the grain and how you, and how you feel that your background not in CPG was probably very beneficial to this. So how do you think that that non CPG background helped to get you guys to that mark? Because you did things differently. We did. We did. Like, so we were big believers of um, we sprint as a philosophy, right? So um, in the world of tech, you sometimes hear the word skunk works. So skunk works, agile um, development is all about everyone focuses on one task for a period of time. Maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's three weeks, but we're all going to laser focus on building a website. We're all going to laser focus on creating um, a new product that's more female focused, right? We came up with our beauty collagen product. So we were believers in like, let's have deep thinking, deep thought and, um, quick execution. And we knew the power of being first to market. Like that was my, you know, whole history, like being first to market, doing, um, taking, uh, flash computing into the marketplace before anyone else did, taking AI into the marketplace before anyone else did, and really capitalizing on that opportunity. So I think that, um, you know, there were other collagen brands, um, mainly capsules and tablets. They were sold in the, like, women's health area. You never really got the sense of what collagen was. Like, if you picked it up, you looked at it, you would think that it was a vegan product, um, we knew that we needed to be a little bit more disruptive. Um, there was a white paper that Kurt's daughter, who was in medical school at the time, found, 
and it was glycine and the aging athlete. Glycine is an amino acid that's the most readily available amino acid in collagen. And so this was the, the you know, the real story that prompted Kurt to find, found, found the company. Um, he had had trouble running and recovering from his runs in his late 40s. So he thought, like, what should I be taking? Is it glucosamine? Is it um, I should go on a keto diet? Like, what can I do to um, enable my movement? And so we all kind of figured out that it was glycine. I mean, this was before I joined, of course. And um, so glycine was that superpower. And um, it was all about using an efficacious dose. So everything up until now in the collagen market was 375 milligrams, 500 milligrams. We put forth a 20 gram serving because if you had 20 grams, even 10 grams a day, your results would accelerate much quicker and you would see, you know, the growth in your hair, your nails, um, your joints would feel better. Um, so that, you know, kind of efficacious, clean label transparency, really important to us. We put a cow on our label. No one had ever put a cow on a label because we wanted to be transparent that this is an animal product. So as much as, um, you know, we were living in a world of Vega and plant-based and, you know, there were brands like Garden of Life that were coming up. Um, we wanted it to be known that we were an animal-based product. So if you happen to be vegan, you know, this is probably not your health and wellness solution. So um, we put a cow on the front of the pack. I think not having um, a CPG background enabled us to take those more provocative choices. Um, our initial packaging was uh, a white label with a shield and a royal blue lid. And I'm like, as a female, this is not appealing to me. So um, what became our iconic blue tub, so Vital Blue, um, it was really prompted by a visit to the Apple store. And I had walked in and I saw all these bright colors for the iPhone 6. So it was the first time that they had launched the silicone case. And there was a bright blue and a bright green and a grapefruit color. I bought them all, brought them into the WeWork space that we were um, using and said, you know, this needs to be our color palette. So we put the cow on the canister. We put a bright blue um, package together and we were off. Hi, guys. It's me, Lindsay. I want to ask you something. What if you could grow your Instagram for your small business in just an hour a day? Does that sound reasonable, like something you could get on board with? Well, I'm going to get you to a place to make this happen, taking you from Instagram zero to Instagram hero in less time than it takes you to do your morning workout and make your morning coffee run. Grow your Instagram for your small business bootcamp. My signature class starts on May 2nd and we are over half full. Instagram for business doesn't work like Instagram for personal and we're going to spend six sessions together setting you up for success on the gram. Plus, as a bonus, you'll get a webinar and a workshop from me on how to repurpose all of your Instagram content across other social media platforms. So no worries, I've got you covered. Instagram for Small Business Bootcamp is for middle-aged female founders who want to focus on their business and need a little extra help on the gram. You will walk away not only able to use, but also to understand how to use Instagram for your business by building a process that will take only one hour a day. 
You'll get simple step-by-step instructions, processes, and easy strategies to use Instagram for your small business. From me, an award-winning entrepreneur and marketing expert with over two decades of experience building brands and over a dozen years using social media. I don't want you to spend another minute stuck in the Instagram closet, embarrassed that you simply can't figure it out. Let's fix it. I'm going to hold your hand and walk you step-by-step through exactly what you need to do. We'll get you set up properly, running, and understanding how to apply Instagram basics for business growth. And we're going to do it together. You're also going to walk away from our class, never, ever asking yourself again those five dreadful words, what should I post today? You'll learn what to post, where, when, and why. We'll make reels, and you'll learn some of my favorite and very easy strategies for growth. In fact, I had a conversation with a client today that I have been sharing the same information with over the last month. She has about 1,200 followers on Instagram as of today, and she said to me, I've grown over 250 followers since I started working with you five weeks ago. That's over 20%. Does this sound like something you could get on board with? Registration is live, and the class is filling up fast. Click the link in the show notes. Join me. Let me know if you have any questions. I hope to see you there. I was introduced to Vital Proteins very early on because as a Chicago-based company, you guys sampled in Bump Club's gift bags. And Mm -hmm. so that was when I first found out about what Vital Proteins was. You guys had a really great um, program to to sample, which was awesome. And then, like you said, you got involved with influencers and you you gave your product out. And that is so key to really any CPG product. Totally. But I do want to ask you, you guys got the endorsement of the ultimate influencer for this demographic. I mean, it is no secret that Jennifer Aniston is a part of your team. And she, she really, I think, helped to put this on the map in a different way in a very different, valid way. Does that make sense? Like it was like when, when, when Jennifer Aniston, when it came out that she was going to sign on is what is she, your chief creative officer? Mm -hmm. Okay. I remember I got the press release. Jennifer Aniston's going to be the chief creative officer of vital proteins. And not that I ever had an issue with vital proteins. I never did. I mean, I thought it was a great product, but I was like, Oh, you know, if Jennifer Aniston, who is like a goddess is going to subscribe to this, then like, I like how did that happen? Because that is like every brand's dream when you think right. about it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you have to find those authentic fans of your brand. You can't go out and pay for it, right? So it has to happen very organically. So, like I said, we started working with bloggers. We leaned in very early on with functional doctors, um, credible recommenders is what we call them. So RDs, dietitians, um, folks that are out there making recommendations on, hey, this is a great health and wellness um, protocol for you. So we went to trade shows like Weston A. Price. Um, I remember one in New York. And, you know, it wasn't um, it wasn't a huge trade show, but everyone that came through had clients. They were functional doctors. They were integrative health specialists. And um, they learned more about what what our brand was really all about. And they loved the clean label and the transparency and the fact that we really um, we really kind of front and center focused on quality. So um, that led to Jen's functional doctor recommending our product to her in 2015. 
And this is when she was, you know, again, entering her late forties and kind of, you know, feeling the effects of aging. So her functional doctor said, Hey, you need to incorporate collagen into your regimen. Here's what I recommend. And it was our product. The first time we heard about it was a mind body green article. She said, there's a collagen peptide that I use. And we were about a $5 million company then. And we were like, wouldn't that be so cool if she was using our product? And we were like, yeah, that'd be so cool. And then fast forward a couple of months later, and it was 2016 People Magazine, Most Beautiful Woman in the World article. And again, she talks about the collagen peptide that she uses that helps her healthy glow. And she had her smoothie recipe, and there was a window call out that had our product in it. And it was, you know, click here on Amazon. And we freaked out. Um, and the marketing team, you know, is high-fiving. And the first thing that I thought of was, oh, my God, you know, like we've got to get more raw materials because I'm not sure we're going to be able to, you know, like be able to survive the spike. And there definitely was a spike. So it was um, it was an inflection point in our brand. Um, now, all of a sudden, we had the credibility, the authentic usership of the world's biggest celebrity. So it became a critical part of our sales deck. Like we'd go into Whole Foods and Costco and Target and say, you know, Jennifer Aniston's healthy glow. And we didn't know her. We weren't paying her. Um, obviously, you know, as a five to seven million dollar company, we couldn't have afforded um, any type of relationship with Jen. But it was something that she really believed in. And she became very um, consistent in her consumption. So we developed a relationship with her and her publicist and, you know, just sent care packages here and there. And, um, you know, fast forward to 20, 2019, um, 2018, 2019, when we probably had a little bit more revenue and gravitas. And in 2018, we were 100 million. In 2019, we were 150 million. Um, so we could probably like start talking about a celebrity. And every time we had the conversation, we mentioned a lot of names, a lot of really beautiful women that are um, gracefully going through the aging process. But we kept coming back to Jen. And as a digital marketing company, as a company that really leaned into social media and influencer before other brands, you know, really even knew what influencers were, it felt a little inauthentic to use Jennifer Aniston because she wasn't on Instagram. She didn't believe in social media, right? I, so, and I remember when she went on Instagram. Yeah, and, and broke Instagram, and right? broke Instagram, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was like November of 2019, and she broke Instagram and 30 million people in a day. So um, then it made a lot more sense, right? Because she was willing to dip her toe into a medium that was really core to who we were, and obviously she had been using our product for four or five years at this point in time. So um, it's a very authentic relationship. She loves our products. She's on set. You know, we always send products to her on set. Um, and she's been phenomenal for our brand. And I think she's done a great job bringing new consumers into the top of funnel. Um, ultimately, from a quality point of view, from an efficacious point of view, from a brand standard point of view, like we have to earn the right with our consumers for them to become loyal consumers. 
I do believe that consumers are any entrepreneur's number one shareholder. So you really, as a CPG company, as a, you know, any type of consumer company, you have to really earn the trust of your consumer. And that's why having authentic relationships with them from the beginning, creating open dialogue, being a very transparent company in terms of what your brand standards are um, and staying true to who you are. Like there's a lot of things that we could have, you know, got on the bandwagon with. We could have done collagen and CPG or CBD, but that's just not who we are as a brand. So sticking to your brand guardrails is really critical as you begin the scaling up process. I love that. I love that story because really and truly, I think any brand out there, whether you're a CPG or not, would love to have a story similar to the one that you just shared. Um, and I, and I've never heard it shared like that. So thank you for sharing. But I do want to kind of get into one of the reasons that I wanted to have you here today. I mean, there were a lot of reasons that I could talk to you forever. I know this. But you are a CEO, and a lot of our listeners are founders and CEOs. I was a founder and CEO. I didn't go to business school. I have a master's in marketing, but I, I didn't go to business school. I was an accidental entrepreneur. And there is a very different set of skills that ride along with being a CEO and being a founder. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes it gets clouded. And I would love to, to kind of dive a little bit deeper into some of the skills that you feel make you the amazing CEO that you are, because I think that our listeners who balance both of those hats mm-hmm. can take so much away from you. And even if you're not a CEO, everyone's a CEO in some sense, you run your household, you run whatever it is. And these are very, these skills are very implementable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes it's just hearing them, right? So, so, okay. I want to start with you and I talked a little bit before we got on here about your team mm-hmm. and how important your team is in terms of cultivating them to be stewards of the brand. So I'd love for you to touch a little bit about that notion as you've built this team for vital proteins from the ground up mm-hmm. into what it is today. Yeah. I'd love to. So, I mean, ultimately your greatest asset are your people. So in the early days of building a brand, you know, you want to find people that are super passionate and they're willing to roll up their sleeves and they're willing to wear a lot of different hats. Um, You know, in the beginning of building a brand, you know, it is a little chaotic, right? You're, you're thriving on the, the daily change. Like I remember, ringing the gong every time we sold into a new retailer. And that's a little bit different than when you get to, you know, kind of the high growth phase. And when you're going through the strategic process of, you know, do we want to sell the company? Do we not want to sell the company? And then when you scale out. So, but every, every stage requires um, a different skill set. but what is the constant is the people, right? So I think if you cultivate this strong culture of people first, caring about one another, if I take care of our teams, our teams are going to be stewards of the business. They're going to take care of the business and they're going to love the business because they're celebrated and seen every day. So, you know, I think that, yes, I run a CPG company, but I kind of feel like um, my, my company, what I do on a day-to-day basis is, you know, I'm running a people team. 
You know, I'm building a group of individuals. I care about their career progression. I care, care about, you know, their voices. You know, we've got a vital value that is share your voice, right? Every voice matters. And, you know, these are not necessarily the norm. Having worked in, you know, Fortune 100 companies, um, you know, a lot of times I was told in the tech world, stay in your lane, right? Just put your head down, stay in your lane. Don't cross over the lanes. And here at Vital, we really celebrate the voice. We challenge the status quo. We have another Vital um, mantra of always be learning. So curiosity and using your voice is so important. And I think those um, philosophies attract a certain type of person to come to work at Vital. And, um, you know, we still call our teams the Vital fam. So it is a nurturing culture and it's all about, you know, empowering the people. And the more you do for the team, the more the team is going to do for the business. Absolutely. And you brought me to my next point very seamlessly, which is using your voice. And it was apparent from the minute I sat down next to you at that poker table that Tracy has no problem using her voice. And which is amazing. And that is a skill that every business person needs and something that I've, I talk about a lot on social media, but you are in a world where you're a female CEO and, you know, we talked about the boys club and whatnot before we even got on this. How do you find it within you to use your voice and really take up that space? I mean, first of all, it has to be innate and it has to be this inner confidence. And we all have superpowers, women especially. You think about what we do. You know, we um, we bring humans into the world. Um, so we have superpowers. We have to believe in our superpowers. And, you know, I know I'm a little bit older than you, but like, you know, entering the workforce in the 90s, you know, it was all about being small. And I never really wanted to conform to that, like, sense of being small. Um, I wanted to bring my personality. And, you know, sometimes big personalities are not necessarily embraced. But what I'm finding now is modern companies want people to show up as their most authentic uh, self. And if your company doesn't want you to show up authentically, then it may not be the right fit for you. So like really understanding who you are, what you want out of an employer, what you want, want out of a career, what you want out of interpersonal relationships, you know? Um, so it's all about being authentically you. And I think when you really kind of settle into who you are, the confidence just blossoms, right? And that confidence is what I really want women to do, and, and not just women, but um, our teams to do, like bring in your full ideas, bring in the crazy stuff. You know, you think about the greatest entrepreneurs uh, in the history, you know, like Steve Jobs was crazy in some ways. Um, so it really is about challenging the status quo. And even if it's an idea that we never act upon, I just think it's so important to show that you can share an idea. We can listen to it. We can be vulnerable with our thoughts, hopes, ideas, and dreams. And, um, you know, that type of environment gives permission. If I show that I'm vulnerable and like, hey, I don't I don't know everything here. What do you think? If I show my vulnerability and if I show my crazy ideas, then everyone else is going to feel a little more safe to share their vulnerabilities and their crazy ideas. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So you talked a little bit about staying in your own lane and how you encourage people not to necessarily stay in your own lane. We also talked about the exponential growth of vital proteins, but there have been challenges. There have been failures. And I know that this is one of your like top points is progress over perfection. So I'd love for you to touch upon that as well, because I do think that even as a founder who was acquired, you know, I, when things didn't go the right way, it's like, I didn't see the opportunity in that. And there is so much opportunity in failure, right? right? Absolutely. Um, you know, in the early days, Kurt really wanted our brand to be all about this paleo running company. And, you know, I kind of pressed upon him because we would do these spot interviews uh, with our consumers, you know, answer the survey, survey monkey and get 25% off. And what we were finding is that, you know, women really wanted um, to use collagen for beauty benefits. So it was about their skin. It was about their hair and their nails. And so we, you know, we tweaked the company and we made it a little bit more um, female centric. And of course, you know, when you think you've got that like piece of like knowledge and you're like, oh yeah, we're going to be a female collagen brand. Um, and then we went to market with some, you know, very female centric products that didn't work, flavors that didn't work. And I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing, like bring the humility to the table, look yourself in the mirror and say, is this working? Is it not? Even if it was your idea, sometimes it's hard to throw the baby out, you know, the bathwater out with the baby or whatever that saying may be. So I think it's really, really important to continually process, improve, and just, you know, have the notion that like, if it's not working, it's not working, let's segue. So, you know, we got rid of, we call the product, the collagen clump again, um, because the coconut water caused the collagen to clump. We thought it was a great idea using powdered coconut water, but it didn't work. Um, during the pandemic, we had a, um, a product that was called Vitality. And, um, you know, Kurt is a big believer in data and he, as a former NASA engineer, he had really predicted that the pandemic was going to happen in December before the pandemic actually did happen. So he was like, you know, I think we should really lean into um, some of the technologies. There was a new product on the market called Wellmune um, that was all about immunobiotics for your gut lining. 
So, you know, we started like grabbing a whole bunch of raw ingredients, zinc, magnesium, selenium, minerals that everyone's deficient in, um, this well-immune product. And we, um, we had the idea, we took it from ideation to a finished product that we launched at Expo West, which is in the beginning of March every year in California. And um, the product innovation cycle was about six weeks and we had packaging done within six weeks. If we would have been kind of following the classic CPG rules, we never would have done that. It wasn't the best product, right? It had too much sodium. So we took it to market. We had, uh, I remember Aaron Apria, who's a trainer to some of the country music stars like Carrie Underwood. Um, she came back and she was like, guys, like there's, this is way too salty. Um, so we toned down the sodium, we dialed up the potassium and we made it taste better. So like, that's the power of the authentic relationship with your influencers and with your community. That's the power of progress over perfection because we were willing to put it out in market and then we were willing to tweak it. And yeah, you've got to go through some complexities like skew change. We had already launched in um, Walgreens and we had to go back and do a skew change, which is never, never great. Um, there's a lot of paperwork involved. Sometimes they charge, um, you know, set up fees all over again. But we wanted to make sure that we capitalized on what was happening in the health and wellness space during the pandemic. And, you know, in 2020, obviously a lot of uncertainty, you know, everyone was scrambling to innovate. Um, for us, thank God we had our own manufacturing facility because when everyone else struggled with raw materials, we had all of our raws and we were able to manufacture. And when Comans went down, um, we didn't have to, you know, like schedule our um, line run, you know, on the heels of all, all the other brands that were trying to schedule line runs. So it enabled us to be really nimble and really flexible. And I think, you know, having that flexible mindset and embracing that you might, you know, come up with an idea that's not perfect, but in order for you to make it perfect, you have to test it. And in order to test it, you got to get it out there in the market. Well, and that also goes to our final point, which is trusting your intuition, because Kurt had that intuitive thought that this was going to be a product that you needed, right? But I mean, on a bigger basis, you said, if it's not working, then segue. And I always say that if it's not working, you have to pivot because you just, you have to know within you when to make that change. And that is a, a, one of your final points, right? For yeah. being a CEO is you have to know and you have to trust your intuition. Totally. So like a great example of that is in the early days, like I said, you know, Kurt really wanted us to um, be focused on kind of the health and wellness space, maybe even a little bit of sports performance, right? So we had early relationships with GNC, Vitamin Shop, and Whole Foods. That was, you know, the three main retailers that we launched in. And I remember having a conversation with um, the Target beauty buyer and she's like, and she was very progressive. Ashley Kamara is her name. Um, she works for a different brand now, but, um, you know, I'll always remember this experience. She was like, you know, I think we could really do something with your collagen beauty water, but we got to make some changes because a $50 price point work, won't work at Target. And it was such a great partnership. And um, so we ideated um, in a meeting, Ashley and I at Expo West, 
And I came back and said, hey, we're going to launch in Target Beauty. And Kurt was like, mm, no, 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 we need to launch in the, you know, the normal protein space, the active nutrition space, which at Target is called OTC. And I'm like, no, I believe that we can do this. We can be the first ingestible beauty brand. So like, again, creating that tension and like having an environment where constructive resonance is embraced. And he was like, okay, I'm going to trust you on this. But if it doesn't work, um, I told you so. And uh, if it doesn't work, you better make sure that we get into the OTC set. And I'm like, fair enough. And so we launched in Target. So Target was our first um, mass consumer. So we launched in Target in 2017, late 2017 for kind of like 20, um, 2018 back to wellness. We were the only ingestible beauty um, product mm -hmm. at Target. Now, if you go into the Target beauty section, you'll see a lot of them. Um, so we really created the category with Ashley and with Target. And within one year, we went from zero to 12 million in sales. And, you know, now Target is still one of our top four, top five customers. And uh, we still have an amazing set in the beauty department. We're also sold in OTC. So that's the other thing that if you had a classic CPG mindset, you would say, okay, you know, I am an active nutrition powder. Active nutrition is where I want to be. And, you know, having dual merchandising is such a powerful strategy for a consumer products company. I mean, it's just like walking into Whole Foods. And if you see a protein powder next to the bananas, you kind of get the idea that, oh, hey, I can make a smoothie here. Um, so having dual merchandising and making sure that you're in all these different points of presence, not just in the store, but also outside, you know, from a daily habit, like you're going into Lululemon. Are we in Lululemon? You know, can we get into Joe and the Juice? Um, what about Barry's Boot Camp? So all the places that a consumer might happen to enter in a given day, we really focused on that out of home strategy. So... Um, all of this was just, you know, untraditional for, hey, let's go out and be a paleo running company mentality. I love it. Are there any parting words that you want to share with the Dear Founder community? Um, well, first of all, I love what you do. And Thank you. The, um, the former podcast that I've listened to for a while, they're just so inspiring. And hats off to you, Lindsay. For Thank you so much. And um, making a safe space to share our um, our journeys and our challenges, and um, you know, really creating this um, opportunity for women to celebrate one another and women for us to all learn from one another. So, thanks for that. Thank you um, for saying that. I appreciate it. Yeah, I guess the only other thing, you know, as a CEO, I would say profitability really matters. Um, so, if I look at you know, the M&A landscape right now. And I serve on the board of a beauty brand called Coco Kind. Um, they're, you know, they're a fast growing company. They're not acquired yet. They've got venture capital funding. But like one thing that's so important is find a path to profitability day one. So I know that, um, you know, maybe four or five years ago, it was really possible to um, lose money 
and still get acquired and get on Shark Tank and, you know, like do all the like fast growing brand things. But it's really important to have a path to profitability because ultimately now in the M&A landscape world, um, everyone wants a sound operational business cadence. No one wants to buy into something that, um, you know, when push comes to shove, could be ousted. So I would say path to profitability is key. I would also say that make sure that you have um, a distinct and differentiated story. Everyone loves stories, right? So storytelling is so important as a brand. Um, So like make sure that your story is different. You know, there were other collagen brands on the marketplace, Um, you know, and I'm not going to go through their names, but ultimately we were able to differentiate because we talked about efficacious transparent, clean label collagen. And we were able to really celebrate our influencers and how they were using our products very early on, which led us to Jennifer Aniston and then it just scaled. So I think having that distinct brand voice and making sure that your story is told. I love it. Tracy Halma, thank you so much for being here. I I'm going to put all the links in the show notes where people can find you and where people can find Vital Protein. So don't worry about that. But I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. And I do hope that you'll take me up on a rematch on that poker game. I would love that. That would be great. Maybe at a Michigan tailgate. Maybe at a Michigan tailgate. Or maybe like at Rick's. Oh, yeah. At Rick's. (laughs) Even better. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and listening to Tracy as much as I enjoy talking to her. She is absolutely a force. She is so incredible. And honestly, I think that the tips that she gave all of us today are things that we all could apply to almost every aspect of our business. You really just have to sit back and think about them. Now, I'm going to just recap kind of the top takeaways from today's conversation. I know I know I don't normally do this in a Founder Files episode, but because we have a, such an amazing guest today and someone who just has so much incredible knowledge to share with us, I want to just recap these very quickly. So number one, it's okay to go against the grain. Number two, your team are the stewards of your business. Number three, Use your voice, take up space in the room. Number four, progress over perfection. You want to cultivate a culture that normalizes, even celebrates failures. And number five, you want to trust your intuition. Make sure that you sign up for my newsletter. The link is in the show notes because not only do I send out these takeaways, I send out all of the takeaways from every single episode, as well as lessons and tips on how to grow your business. I hope that you'll join me for another episode of Dear Found Her, a brand new one coming your way every single Tuesday and Thursday. 